Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. So last week we started this month of November and the theme for this month is dear dear church. No, sorry, dear church. Yeah, it's dear church. I was trying to confuse this dear Christian, but it's dear church. And what we what we hope to address this month is to address Christian hurt, especially amongst believers. A lot of believers have experienced christian hurt and um, church hurt like they they felt like church is supposed to be our home church is supposed to be where we come together to fellowship if we read act um act two let me go there i'm sorry i won't be able to share my screen so i'm just going to read um i'm going to read from my phone so if you are with your bible there you can open along with me and we'll read together so Acts 2 from verse 41. I'm going to read from verse 41. So this is like after Peter, the Holy Spirit had come upon those that were in the upper room and the crowd downstairs were wondering what was happening. So Peter had already given his speech. And I'm going to start reading from verse 41. It says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That means at the event at that Pentecost event, three thousand people were added to the church and they became members, they became Christians, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. You know, let me move to um verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, right? So this basically showed the interaction. This was the first picture of the church that we have, right? How they interacted. So church is supposed to be like, if church is supposed to be a family where we, where we, um, where we come to, a family that we're born into, the book of Ephesians says, um, calls God the Father. Um, let me read it instead of trying to just quote it in my head. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, it says, verse 3, it says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places um, in Christ. Okay, no, this is not where I wanted to. This is not where I wanted to um go to. Let me let me let me look for it briefly. Sorry. Um uh, don't worry, we're going to go there. But basically, we are we've been begotten into a family, right? We've been begotten into a family, and in this place that is supposed to be family, where we're supposed to experience love, where we're supposed to experience kindness, show kindness to each other. A lot of people have experienced hurt, right? A lot of people have been hurt. Lot of people in fact, and that hurt has led some people to even say no to church, no to gatherings of believers. It's just some some people, if 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 they didn't have it really bad, wouldn't leave the faith, right? They'll just probably say no to church and 
they'll just say it's my God and I. But some people have had it really bad and they've left the faith because of it. So, yeah, that's what we're trying to address this month. We want to see this issue. We want to address some of these issues. So, last week, we started by MP asked us to, you know, share stories. And one thing that I really realized was that, or one thing that was, that became obvious was that a lot of us have gone through hurt, right? In And we don't even realize that it was that we've been hurt or what happened was not right we just took it as normal i mean from the from the stories that were shared right we just took it as it was when people um, when someone said i think someone started sharing a story and then when others started hearing it they realized that oh if that is considered church hurt then i also went through something like this i also went through something like this i also went through something like that so that was what we we discussed last week um this week we're going to talk about the reverse so last week was what people did to us what we experienced this week we want to talk and this is going to this is going to require a lot of vulnerability on our part right this is going to require a lot of vulnerability on our part so i want us to be prepared this week we're going to talk about the reverse like what we did to other people right you know it's easy to say that uh person did this thing to me and you remember everything that someone did to someone did to you right but it's we don't usually remember or think about the things that we might have done to other people that might have hurt them or that might have made them you know want to stay away from us so what are going to go through the format of last week what we did last week you unmute you signify that you want to talk and unmute and just tell us like your experience in church and any example of a time where you feel like your action, right, might have caused someone to, you know, take a step back, maybe in terms of vulnerability with Christians or with the church in general. So who wants to volunteer? Who wants to go first? I can go first. Believe okay. it or not, my own story is... um very very some of you may laugh at it but it was actually a legitimate reason why someone um kind of let go of um like coming to church i mean it was just for a moment but things changed in town so and the person has actually attended um bmg and let me start with the good side so that i don't look so bad the good side is that <laughs> one day he joined and he, he confessed. Some of you may have been there. He confessed. It was like, um, I used to not like Christianity. I not like, um, you know, doing church or being a part of church um, because he thought I was very stuck up and stoic and unkind. Just because I hardly, I don't smile and I'm very serious, right? <laughs> so every time he encountered me, I was either in a mood that was, and this many years back, by the way, I was either in a mood where um, I was just not ready to interact with people the way I wanted to. So I was always frowning and I was always like just straight to the point. And so he had already heard that, you know, church is a place of love. And his experience with me was not, not anything close to that. So he, he made the conclusion or had the assumption that this guy must be like if this is if this is what I'm going to be like, 
if I'm part of this church, then I'm not going to be part of this, you know. And that was like something I got to learn later on. I didn't know that that was happening at the time. But what I realized mm-hmm. later on, he came on this call and he was like, um, I want to confess something. You know, I didn't really like, um, I had given up on, on church and all of that. And then later on, I said, I, I, but I, I got to hear him and listen to him and give him a chance. And I just realized that he just had a problem with smiling. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, are you serious? And, and I know it's, it's hilarious, but it's actually some small things like this. I've heard stories of people who, um, you know, weren't, weren't welcomed well when they came. Let's say they came to church first time as um, it seemed like there was a click and, you know, or there were clicks and people did not interact with them. And so it just felt that they were out of place. You know, it affected them in some way. But yeah, that's my own story. I, I'll think of some more, but let me let me let others speak to all right, thank you, Pastor Ennis, for sharing. Thank you for us. I mean, it requires vulnerability to share or to tell us what a bad thing that you did, right? So thanks, thank you very much. Um, so who who else wants to go? And I know some of us are thinking, right, because like I said earlier, it is difficult for you to remember what you did to someone. It's probably something wrong that you did to someone compared to what someone did to you. Um, so does anyone remember anything? Sorry, just just to just to add, can you guys hear me? Just to add to what Vicky is asking. Um reason for this, because I don't feel like we put the put the clause or the explanation of why we're discussing this. Last week we found it very easy to talk about all the experiences of how we've been hurt. And many times we don't look you know, at our own lives or look at how some of the actions we are taking might actually be hampering the the furtherance of a person's growth and experience in God. You know, sometimes it's just our sometimes we're just unaware and many of you will be shocked that there are some things you do that are actually um affecting people, right? In that in that way. And you may just be like, oh really, I didn't know this was an issue. But there are some that we've actually done. And I mean, sometimes it may be very difficult to be vulnerable enough to say it. And I just want to encourage us that this is a safe space. Say it as cautiously as you can, but just be vulnerable enough to say it because um, you realize that not only are we receiving church hurt, we realize that we sometimes inflict church hurt because we are part of the church and um this is the first stage of that healing process for ourselves and also to see where God stands on this and how we're supposed to approach the subject. So I just wanted to put that out there and you know, feel free to, to share or even ask questions too. Yeah, I wanted to ask, so can, can everyone hear me? Yeah, yes. So I wanted to ask, like, um, so if the person left the church for a minute and came back, like, but and came back, is does that still um because of the actions or inactions of um me, does that still um qualify as church hurts? Uh, yeah, I mean they were hurt. Uh, that was my story, right? The guy yeah. well was not really he just felt like I was being a bad example and that affected his own work 
but eventually realized that oh okay that wasn't that wasn't intentional but it was hurt so it still classifies as church hurt like last week right just for those who weren't here we defined all the different things that could be linked to church hurt or what church hurt could be and many people did not know that they have been hurt because they didn't know that those things were actually part of the list i don't know how many people remember but we discussed things like neglect um we discussed things like um gossiping some people hear their story from someone else and they're like ah how did this person get to know this story about my life which i only told to one person who i said keep it a secret so there are different things um and the different strokes, different ways we we see we experience church hurt. But yeah, absolutely, that still hurts. And for me personally, I think I might have been guilty of, you know, times when uh someone tells me something, and I actually tell another person. <laughs> this is the truth. Although it's probably a long time. I don't think I've I've done that recently. For like like when I was much younger, right when they tell you something and thinking about it now i think for me my own was rooted in trying to gain acceptance right so i was someone who like growing up i didn't really fit into any particular clique or any particular group both in church in school no i didn't really fit in Right, you know, people had cliques, people had friends, people had best friends. Honestly, I could not point and say this person was my best friend because that that definition felt vague. And so sometimes I felt like I, there was that need to, you know, just you know, you want to talk to someone about something, and you're thinking of all the things to, you know, say. You're, you're trying to think of conversations that you can have with this person, and that conversation that you heard someone talk about. It felt like, well, maybe if I, I can use this to start a conversation with this person, right? And later on, you realize that, oh, what have I done? <laughs> I've, I've actually said, I said something that I shouldn't have said, or I told this person something that I shouldn't have said, right? So, I mean, I don't know how that would have affected someone, the the owner of the gist, right? But thinking about it now, I try for my understanding of scripture. That was that was wrong. Like no matter what, even if you heard it in person, you shouldn't talk. You shouldn't um talk about others. Like um talk ill of others, except you're trying to protect the other person, the person you're talking about, or you actually want to find a solution for them, right? So that was mine. Um, Thank you. Okay, uh, I like- okay sir. Oh, please okay, go through. Yeah. Uh, you want want to say something? Yeah, yeah. I'll say I'll like share, but you unmuted. So do you want to go first? Anyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I just like I just remembered like back then, like um and this is like the most recent um will I say stuff I've done that I think was church hurts to someone else. Yeah. Um, so I remember like back then, like still trying to figure out like my whole spiritual life and everything. Um, I I committed to picking up this lady, like picking her up from her house and taking her to church, all that stuff, you know. And in our car rides and all that, we used to like talk about really um 
we used to confide in each other and stuff like that. But then when I noticed that, man, I, I didn't have the best motives for her, you know, I just ghosted her and everything. Then I noticed that she stopped coming to church for a minute. And then the next time she came was like probably months after. And I was like, oh, try to, try to do like, oh, like nothing had happened and stuff like that. And she was like, she was just pissed, you know, and all that, yeah. So I I I believe that qualifies as church hurts because just thinking about it now, um, at least better communication and um, um, yeah, would have sufficed, would have helped her like not leave the church, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I I I think I think that's a good example. And by the way, thank you for being vulnerable. Like that's something you know, that you would have decided not to share, but you did share. Thank you so much for that. Um, and I wanted to just pop in here because um, many of us are guilty of this, where we ghost people and we do not communicate. And if you've ever been the recipient of that experience, it's very, very bad, you know. I think I've once done that where I thought I was giving someone the wrong idea and instead of me to clear clearly communicate and say hey um please oh this thing is not me showing interest in you this is just me being honest the kind guy i did not i did not clarify not communicate i just disappeared i avoided communication with the person and that was that was um that was actually the wrong thing to do and of course you can you can definitely see how that can hurt someone Person gonna be like, why is it? Why are you not talking to me? What have I done? You know, and thank God it didn't escalate too much, but it has happened, and I'm sure some of us will be able to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like something that I've done before. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Joshua, thank you, P. I praise you. Want to go ahead and share? Yeah. So I've been thinking, but does this particular so I, I got I got to know about the gospel in school, right? I think my mm-hmm. my two hundred le- level, and so <laughs> you know that moment. Those I don't know if you you have ever experienced experienced it before when you just you know you just come to know about the gospel, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God, and you are just angry about your past, how things have been before, what you have been hearing, what you have been taught. So those these zealousness and i was in a particular group where we're all zealous i i don't think my own was like really extreme but probably you know probably i did one or two things but we were always so zealous like you don't know this thing you don't know this thing how can you not know this thing you're not you're not you're just giving this kind of this kind of vibe where you're going to preach the gospel where people are not on the same frequency as you are you just feel like oh i've arrived with knowledge so i i i, I think i know mm. i think a lot of people were were hurt by our um our delivery of the gospel and the way we you know communicated the gospel it was not in love it was not the way God you know would have us do it and I remember um the, the Holy Spirit you know cautioning me and I I withdrew my steps and I became I became I was like come away so was I not it's not just like a few weeks ago I was in the same place, in the same position, like with these people, and I'm, I just came to know this truth. Why am I acting like 
I am, or we are like, while we were acting so arrogant with knowledge. And so it helped me to, I, I, I think, I, I, I think I, I'm trying to remember, but I think if some persons, you know, um, reached out and they were like, but they don't like the way, the reason why they, they can't even listen to somebody, a particular, particular group where, you know, propagating the gospel and they were always um, fronting these ministers, somebody they listened to. And so it was just, it was just really, really sad. And I just thank God that God helped me that I retraced my step. I also remember, you know, also, you know, um, advising the, the rest of the people I could advise to, you know. Uh, and, and I prayed for them too. I prayed for myself. I prayed for them. And we learned because we're better now, like in terms of, obviously we're mm. better now. We have grown. Yeah. And I'm grateful that even those people that were hurt have healed and, yeah, in fact, most of them are even in my church, so I'm um, I'm happy. So yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you, um, President. That that is a very important like point you raised. Like most, a lot of us in our bid to, you know, in our bid to want to share the gospel with people, in our bid to want to point people to Christ. We have unknowingly hurt them through the words we say, through the you know, the way we present Christ. And it is very important for us, like as believers, it is one very important thing for us. It's not just about the message. Yes, we have to carry the right message. It's very important for us to have the right message, to know the right me- message. But poor delivery can Like every effort you put in understanding the message, in knowing how to knowing the blockers that can come in, you know, knowing how to preach to different people, how to defend the gospel, all your apologetics knowledge, poor delivery can really can really mess it up, right? So I mean, as you were talking, this verse came to mind. I remembered when we were studying um, the book of Philippians and word in I remembered Philippians one nine. That says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, right? So it might not even be intentional. It might not be a case where you really had you really um had this person in your mind and you really didn't like this person, right? It may just be like, okay, you like this person for real, but your approach to communicating that love was wrong. Right, your approach to communicating that love was wrong, and it may really it, it can push the person away further. So Paul here was praying for the Philippians that their love was not just love like based on feelings, but it was actually rooted in knowledge. So they can properly communicate that love, right? Um, yeah. So that's that's very very important. Um, in cases where are uh, in a bit to show people love to try to you know show especially when it comes to delivering the message of the gospel you might have pushed them away yeah thank you praise and and that's so 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 powerful all right i wanted to show a text of scripture that kind of ascends what praise was saying and i know like i've been guilty of it myself where you know you are getting knowledge you're growing you're learning so much. You're like, oh my God, everything they've been teaching me has been wrong. And now you see those things and you just flip out. You know, you don't really take care to respond um, or how to handle those situations. And I want to just show you that it's actually biblical. 
um, or there's a biblical instruction with regards to this. So if you go to Corinthians chapter 8, let me show you something. And I think we've done a teaching on this before. But I just want you to see that Paul, Paul had this in mind even back then. Because there is something knowledge does to you. When you know something, it has a way of just making you feel very special. That, oh, I have this special knowledge. And you see, church today, permit me to say and be honest and be very, you know, um, real with you. There are a lot of groups, you know, that try to claim exclusivity to this message. Uh, you know, there's some churches that just want to present like they know everything. And I feel like even in my church at the time, that was one of the accusations we were getting, right? Um, one of the accusations we were getting that, ah, you people feel like you know everything. Are you the only Christians in the world? Blah, 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 all of that stuff. And there was merit to some of the things they said because many people who were learning the truth were now very flippant and cruel in their response to people who didn't know those things. And thankfully, we are growing and correcting those things by God's grace, where people are more kind and are not inflicting hurt on people by their response, just because they know the word. So look at Paul was saying this in First Corinthians 8, right? He says, now about foods sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Now, what is he saying? He's basically saying, he's talking to the mature, that we know that when it comes to food sacrifice to idols, there is really no other idol. There's really no other God but God. So even when they sacrifice animals to idols, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't make it any, any worse or any better, right? So... Paul said that we, we have that knowledge. That's a knowledge we have. But then Paul says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It just, just look at what he's doing. He's contrasting knowledge with love. Have you ever thought of contrasting knowledge with love? And that just that's very significant. It means that you have the potential, if you're, if you're not careful, to put the knowledge you have of God over love for his people. You have to be very careful. So you want to prioritize, for example, let me share this with you guys, because I remember someone once, once um, and, and this is very important, someone once asked me, um, what happens to people who commit suicide? You know, do they go to heaven or do they go to hell? And if you've heard me teach biblically on this subject, you already know my answer on it. Like it's, it's, it's almost black or white, but it's very nuanced. So maybe I'll answer it if I get some time. But the first thing I did was, why are you asking that question? Because if I wanted to go on knowledge and say, oh, okay, according to the scriptures, this, 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 this. Look at Samson. Samson killed himself. He was still listed in the heroes of faith. Look at uh, this, this, this. The sacrifice of Jesus covers all sins. It's suicide, is sin. Yeah, you know, if you start doing all those things, you want to show off your knowledge. And you miss the important thing there, which is this person is struggling. Maybe they are struggling with suicidal thoughts. The devil is trying to shut their lives, like shutting their lives on earth and take them before they actually get to fulfill purpose. And you are there showing off your knowledge. Whereas what you need at that time is to love them by 
listening, bearing their burdens. And so the context here is you have freedom in Christ. You know that food sacrifice to idols is nothing. Yet there's someone amongst you that is struggling with the idea that, ah, this thing is offered to idols or don't eat it. You now use your freedom to show off your knowledge. What does he say? Problem. Look at it. He says, the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. So if you feel like you are knowledgeable, you still lack something about that knowledge. And that's love. There is, there is something that love does to the knowledge you have. There's something love does to the knowledge you have. I just want to keep reading this because this will help you. This is a scripture that is in line with what we are studying today. We've looked at church hurt, um, how it's been inflicted on us. But many times we don't realize that we need to first take out the log of wood in our own eyes before taking out the speck of dust and all that. It's very easy to say, oh, they hurt me. They hurt my feelings. They did this to me. But how about you? You think you are innocent, right? You may not be innocent. And you have to realize that it's the same fallenness that we're all wrestling with. We've been saved by grace through faith. God is working in us, sanctifying us. But in that process of sanctification, many people are still missing the mark, right? Doing things that are not in line with the will of God. God doesn't throw us away. So we should not do the same for other people, right? We shouldn't do that for other people. We should, we should embrace them and show them the love of Christ. He says, the man who loves God is known by God. So always place love over knowledge. If you are writing anything down today, write it down. Always place love over knowledge. Yes, I know this. But does this knowledge help another person experience the love of God better? Does this action of mine help someone else to see the love of Christ? Does it display the love that, that we know about? Love is kind, it's gentle. And then look at this. So then, about is asking the question about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all. He's teaching us, this is theology. Paul is telling us, here's the fact, here's the knowledge. There is nothing in an idol. So for those of you in Nigeria, you've heard of things like Ilea meats and all of that. And the backing for people who say, don't eat that meat is what? Is sacrifice to idols, that the Muslims take it to sacrifice to idols. And you just hear a lot of things like that. So that's very different from this text, by the way. This text you have to understand that they had a meat market back then. People would go to the meat market and get their meat and their different kinds of food. But where it was sold in the meat market was where idolatry was present. So they worshipped idols there. So normally in their own traditions in those days, they would just take those animals, kill them, and then just offer it to one god, like Zeus or some kind of god or deity that they worship. And so some people, because of the level they were in their faith, it's like, ah, this is disregarding God. Um, and they are actually sacrificing it to demons. So I will not eat of it. But Paul's revelation is, there is I, what is an idol? This Zeus, all of these things, they don't really exist. They are not, an idol is nothing in the world. They are dead and deaf and dumb and sightless, right? And blind. So he's saying there is no God but one. 
That's theology 101. There's no other God but God. But even if they are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many idols, he says, yet for us, which is very important, what our revelation is, is very important. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, all things came through him and we live. And there is but one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Now watch. Look at this. But not everyone knows this. Do you understand? So he's going back to knowledge. That you have the knowledge, but there are certain people that don't know it. Some people are still so accustomed to idols and the knowledge that idols exist, that when they eat such food, like the foods in the meat market, when they eat it, in their conscience, they are still feeling that that food has been sacrificed to an idol because their conscience is weak. And guess what? They think it is defiled. So read it there. It says, they're so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Paul is saying, your conscience is powerful enough to make something which in itself is blameless and does not affect you to bring some kind of level of defilement to you. Because he's going to later tell us in Romans 14, anything done outside of faith is sin. So if you don't believe something is right to do and you go ahead to do it, to you it is sin. So now you have the knowledge that there's nothing wrong, but then you are with someone else who thinks it is wrong. What should you do? Should you use that knowledge against them and um, while you're there, eat that meat with them knowing that this is not, um, there is offered to idols and, you know, in their mind, they believe it is defiled. What would you do in that situation? Paul tells us, he's still teaching, says food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we eat and no better if we do. I mean, everyone knows what happens when you eat. If you have a good bowel movement, you know what happens. It comes out. It doesn't stay. If it stays, there's a problem. You need, you need you know, medical attention. But what happens when you eat? It goes in, comes out. It says, be careful, however. So here's the point. And this is where it comes back to where we have a role to play in this subject of church hurt. It's very easy to talk about how we've been hurt. But many times, we fall prey to the same thing that we are affected by. It's just the cycle of life. And a lot of people know what I'm talking about. You, you speak against something. How many of you have seen people who are vehemently against something? Like you just pick one thing and they're just speaking about it, speaking about it, speaking against it. And then that is the very thing that they fall prey to or they fall victim to. I've seen that so many times, so many times. So the Bible teaches us to take heed, be careful, be very careful. So it says, be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Because your freedom, because of the knowledge you have, can actually make someone else stumble. Now, is this saying, don't teach them the truth? No. Paul will lay down, I mean, he's writing this epistle. For what purpose? To teach you that there's no other God but one. But if someone is still at a place in their faith, 
where they cannot rationalize or put together that this thing is not a sin. To eat meat offered to idols does not defile you. Unless they have learned it from the teaching, they are still weak. They're considered weak. And so what must you do as someone who is strong with knowledge? You must bear with those who are weak. So look at what it says in verse 10. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge, I look at this scenario, eating in a in an idol's temple. That also tells you more about this. So if they don't just see you eating, but they see you in the temple where idols exist and where these offerings happen. So you can be so free in your knowledge that even if you are in the place where they are doing the prayer to the idols, you may even take of it and eat it, and you know nothing is wrong here. This is not a sin. But not everyone has that knowledge. So if someone with a weak conscience sees that you have you that you have this knowledge, eating from you know an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat? So pause, let me ask you a question. Pause, look at what he's saying here. And I want to ask a very, I want to see who is very intelligent here. You're all intelligent, but I want you to pick up something from this text. What is Paul saying? I'll read it again. And someone should help me explain this. He says, for if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? It's a question. Is Paul, like, is there a problem? That's my question. What is the problem? What is wrong about being emboldened to do what your knowledge of God's redemption and everything and the fact that God is all-powerful, there's no other God? Why is this a problem? Okay, Victoria, your hand is up. Uh, okay, so the problem, I don't think the problem itself is in the eating. I think the problem is in the heart, right, that is doing it. So you're eating, you're probably eating it because you feel there's nothing there. But that person doesn't know that there's nothing there. The person thinks it's a big deal, is a real thing, right, idol. So you eating it in the front of the person with the person's knowledge might mean that you're validating that person's that um that person's belief and the person might feel like oh okay so at, so for example this issue of eating food offered to idols maybe the person feels like if you eat a food offered to idols then you actually believe in that idol and you you endorse that idol but you're eating it because you don't you don't think there's anything to it so if that person sees it now and the person what will be in the person's mind is oh this person is a Christian, but she's still eating the food of her, eating food of her to this idol. So maybe I can still, you know, worship this idol and just eat it, right? So the problem is not in the eating, but in the mind behind the eating. Lovely, thank you, thank you very much. If you agree with what she said, just use the reaction icon to say yes. You know, lift your hand. Very good, good. Yeah, that's beautifully said. You have to understand. The issue here is not that they're doing anything wrong as it were, because we, we already saw that put offer to idols, there is there's nothing, there's no such thing as an idol 
for there is just one God. But but you have to understand what is going on here. This is you are empowering someone who has a weak faith to persist in doing something against their conscience. And that's where the problem is. If someone has a conscience issue about a matter on doubtful things, and they have a conviction that this thing is wrong, and in their consecration to Christ, they've decided, I'm not going to do this thing. And you are aware, and you still use your freedom, instead of you to cautiously not do those things when they are there, you disregard them. You, you, you don't discern the body of Christ. And you just go ahead and, and eat food offered to idols in their presence. What they will look at, they'll say, okay, this person may be spiritually mature. He's eating food offered to idols. But he's wrong. He's maybe, maybe, I, maybe I should just eat it like he's eating it. And then what happens there is their conscience is still, you know, is hurt by that. Their conscience says no. But their action is saying yes. Now, that's the worst place to be as a Christian. This is very important. This is very delicate, but it's very important. As a Christian, don't do anything against your conscience. You want to keep your conscience soft, tender, malleable, you know, sensitive to the Lord. The moment you harden your conscience, like, for example, this is one thing I tell people that, you know, I help with um, in areas of addiction. Every time you go back to something wrong, you must never leave that place feeling indifferent. Ah, if you leave there indifferent, you are, you are searing your conscience. Because it will get to a point where you are doing that sinful activity and you don't feel wrong about it. That's, that's terrible. That's bad. You must always have contrition of heart. It's one good mark of it believer that you you stole something and you feel is wrong you must you must feel the, the the guilt that comes with it now yes in christ there is forgiveness yes in christ you are empowered to live but in those moments of weakness if you are not feeling that what you did is wrong check the conscience the conscience must not be seared the conscience must be sensitive to god sensitive to sin that ah this thing is wrong i'm struggling with it but i will not affirm it and then you just, you know, you have a repentant heart. Because godly sorrow leads to repentance. Praise God. This is so important. And I want to just emphasize it again. I want to emphasize it again and again and again. Don't let your conscience be seared. Don't let your conscience be seared. Let your conscience be sensitive to God. Every time you do what is wrong, you must be sorry for it. The moment, I'm telling you this because, see, I've seen it time and time again. The reason people persist in habits or in a lifestyle is because you've not seen it as bad enough. You've not seen it to a point where, you know, you, 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 you've basically have subjected yourself to think you will live that way forever or you don't have any power. And that's, a, that's against the truth. The truth is, you are dead to sin, alive to God. You can let go of your desires. You can let go of these things and trust God to help you. But you see, in this example, now this person who in their conscience thinks it is wrong to 
eat food sacrificed to idols. Now they are emboldened because you are using your freedom. So let's bring it home a little bit. And some of you may not like these examples, but even if we already know that from a knowledge perspective, nothing's wrong with eating food sacrificed to idols, right? What is the contemporary example? You go to a church and you're supposed to speak there as a lady. Now, the con their own conviction as a local assembly is we dress modestly. And modestly means long skirts, we tie scarf, we cover everything, no cleavage showing, no arm showing. And then you go there and say, I'm free in Christ. I mean, after all, it's my relationship with God. And then you don't tie your hair. You wear jeans, trousers. You wear, you know, you even put crop top because you are free in Christ. <laughs> and maybe you allow your, your, you know, let's not even go too extreme. You just wear trousers and you don't cover your head. Now, all these people there, all right now, they are stupid to you because like, oh, they are so far back. And you remember what I said? Knowledge, that's what Paul said earlier. Knowledge pops up, but love edifies. Love is thinking, how can I do this to help as many people as possible? And so knowledge perfect up looks like this. I will disregard their convictions and I'll do what I want to do because I'm free in Christ. Love says, okay, I don't have to tie anything. I don't have to dress in a certain way, but for them, I will make myself uncomfortable for them. That's love. That's love. And so that's what Paul is teaching here. That's what Paul is teaching here. So, um, Jessica, you have a question. Yes, P, I have a question. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I'm just trying to, um, this is just me thinking about what you're saying, right? Um, don't you think that you're the only, okay, so between you and God, you understand your motive. Your motive is love. And um, you're doing it, of course, because as a good Christian, you're trying to um, not come off as someone who's, yeah, I know I know more than you. So I know that what I'm doing is right and you're wrong, or maybe not wrong, but you're basically doing it not the way the Bible says. But you understand your motive, you and God. But the other people on the other end of the stick, don't they, or won't they perceive that as you endorsing their, like, oh, she did it, so she must, she, 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 she's most likely comfortable with this. She thinks like it's a good, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, it's, it's, it's possible for someone to look at you and say, uh, maybe even take a picture of you and say, oh, you did it here. So are you living like a double standard? I hope you understand what I'm trying I, to say. I get your point. I get your point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let me... So let how me... do you manage that kind of situation? Because you're the only one who understands your motive. Like, I'm doing this out of respect and love, but it's possible for another person to mistake that for me, endorsing this um, behavior. Well, I, I guess in the same breath, I'm also thinking as long as it's not anything that is too... It's not anything immoral or extreme. So I don't think you... For example, I mean, wearing long skirts is not a big deal, right? So either way, you're not really... But I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, and then that's and this is the kind of conversation I love, by the way. So this is good. So now, look, notice the key things here. Anytime we see a scripture, right? We want if we're going to make the um, contemporary example from a historical event like this or a historical situation like this, what we want to do is to carry as much as possible the context with us. 
So here we have three things. A person who has knowledge that what they are doing is not wrong. Another person who believes that what they are doing, if they did what this other person was doing, it would be wrong and a sin before God. So those are two categories. Then there is the action part. Whether you walk in puffed up knowledge or in love. So you have a choice. In, in this example is no um, opening for what if someone took a picture or what if someone saw Paul not eating meat sacrificed to idols. You say, oh, okay, that means Paul also believes that not eating meat sacrificed to idols is actually a way of consecrating yourself to God. But is that what Paul personally believes? No, he believes there is no idol. Um, not that there's no idol, but an idol is nothing before God. For there is just one God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we must make that same conclusion in how we interpret uh, our own contemporary examples or experiences. So even though someone may look at what we are doing and say, ah, you see, she's, for example, let me give you a practical example. I know a preacher who went to a church where, you know, tying scarves is mandatory. Um, women must sit on one side and men must sit on one side in that congregation. That's their culture. In their minds, because now we look at that and we may even want to laugh and say, ah, why is that a big deal? But for them, that's consecration. See no evil, hear no evil, look like you are a saint. That's their conviction. That's how they live their own deeper life with God, right? That experience. Now, you are from a different background, but now you are coming into their. So you notice that the context is, I'm now in their space. This is not my own freedom anymore. Now I'm dealing with people who must listen to me, receive the word and be instructed. What can I do? Do I present a stumbling block so that all through the teaching, they are just like, see ya, big earring. Look at that, jeans. And now you look at that and say, is it their problem? And that's not why a Christian talks. A Christian doesn't say, and so. A Christian says, how can I help you in your weak state to still get value from what I'm saying? Well, I'll be like you. So Paul is saying, if what I eat will cause my brother to sin, I will not eat it again. That's how serious he's taking this because that's the weight of this subject. That if I will cause somebody who has built a conviction in their desire to consecrate themselves to God, and I'll rubbish that. I, let me give you an, a practical example. And this one will resonate with you. So in Covenant University, I had a friend of mine, Samuel M. Edirin, that's his name, Menemio for, I can't forget him. Um, very, very consecrated. I, I'm saying consecrated because there's no other word to use. This guy, he even, he didn't use perfume. He didn't use, <laughs> I'm not joking. He would just look, he would just dress, retire. He did not do anything else. When I was like, oh, are you following me on Facebook? He didn't have a Facebook account. He's not on social media because in his church, that is being like the world. One more thing he did not do was watch TV or watch movies. So in my mind back then, and I was just learning these things, in my mind back then, I was like, what kind of suffering is this? Like this guy will not have anything to enjoy in his life. No film, no, no social media, nothing. Like, how are you living? 
He said, Deepa, I did not say anything. Mm. You know, and I, I was so I used to ask him questions like, so you people don't have TV at home? Say, ah, no, TV is, you know, devil's box. You can't do that. Okay. So what else? You don't interact. I was so shocked, but it was my friend. And so he used to come to my room. And anytime, this is how radical, how radically I took this. Now things are better for him. Like he's, he, he gets things better now. He understands. But back then, it was a big deal. He used to think I was a sinner for having a Facebook account. I was almost about to cancel Facebook when he said, oh, don't worry, don't have to cancel Facebook. I just won't have it. And I said, okay, at least we have an understanding there. But that watching movies part, mm -mm, he did not want to agree. So there was a day he came and we were watching a movie in our in my room, in like imagine a hostel and then you are there. There's one laptop, big laptop like this. Some guys are there, we we're watching. And it's like, I think it was Mission Impossible. And they had just come out at that time. We we're watching. The moment he entered, I said, sorry, guys, we can't continue watching this film now. And they were looking at me like, I said, please, just stop it. And we'll soon leave. But while he's here, we're not watching this. And you, some of you may look at that as pretense. But doesn't it look like pretense with Paul? It's just recognizing where a person is at, honoring their consecration or their decision to be consecrated to God, and lowering your knowledge and letting love love um, win in that situation, right? It says, knowledge perfect up, but love edifies. Now, that brought us closer. That gave me an opportunity to teach him and say, oh, see what the Bible says here? Like, there's nothing wrong in this. These are expressions. Imagine if we use social media to preach the gospel, like, oh, okay, I'm getting it now. Like, okay, we can use this, but don't use it for evil, you know, things that it, social media in itself is neutral. TV is neutral. It's what you do with it. I was teaching him a lot. Now I had the opportunity to do that because I respected his own predilections and his own you know, idiosyncrasies. Did I watch TV with him when he was not there? Absolutely. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I think that's the teaching here. The core of the teaching is you are there to help these people honor God. So if they've chosen a way to honor God, even if it's not your, for example, Paul was teaching somewhere else that, hey, to some people, some days are special. To others, every day is honored by God. Now, if to you, honoring a special day is special, Paul says, go ahead and do that. He did not stop them. He did not stop them. So I will not use my own freedom to cause someone else to stumble. Because guess what? This thing I'm discussing is one of the major causes of church hurt. Because we will always differ on some of these issues. These are, these are what I've taught before as doubtful things. Dressing, um, methods of worship, mode of worship, um, some certain practices. These are things we may differ in. But when it comes to the core of the core, you're, you don't want them to lose their conscience. You don't want them to lose their conscience. All right? I went into that long teaching because I just really wanted to establish that. So 1 Corinthians 8 is one example. Let me show you Romans 14, and then I'll just open the floor again for a round off, okay? Romans 14. Same flow of thought. Let me read from verse 1 to verse 8. Follow this, right? Don't get tired, all right? If you're still here, just let me see. Give me a signal. Put something in the chat. Let me know that you're alive and paying attention. Okay. 
All right, awesome. It's easy to get distracted when video is long. I know someone is eating. I can see in the spirit. I can see somebody actually, I don't know how you can do this. You're watching a show at the same time. I don't know how you're doing it. I think you can hear me. Anyway, you're all my God. There's no problem. All right, so Romans 14, 1 to 8. Pay attention to the words here. It says, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. That's doubtful things. One's man, one man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. So you see, there's another there's another context here. Someone believes he wants to be a vegetarian because all meat is offered to idols. I will not eat it. I will just eat vegetables. He says, the man who eats everything must not look down on him who doesn't. That's another thing we must not do. Just because certain people do things in a certain way or believe some things in a certain way does not mean we should look down on them. In fact, many of them have some deep consecrations than we who say we have all the knowledge. You, you know everything. You know you know exegesis. You know I, all the Greek words. Where is your prayer life? That's why I, I'm not the quickest to judge any ministry. There are some ministries that see they pray. And you cannot take that one from them. So people have some powerful deliverance ministries. You may, you may think they are not firm on sound doctrine, orthodoxy. <laughs> Respect yourself and just humble yourself. Don't look down on someone who doesn't have the knowledge you have. It says, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. So he's also teaching now. Well, you who don't eat everything, well, don't judge those who do. But I mean, many times that's what ends up happening. He said, for God has accepted him. This Paul's teaching. He says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. So in the sight of God, just like Jessica was saying, in the sight of God, my relationship with God is really definitely personal. There are some things that are consecration for me that you, if I say, go and do it now, you'll be like, ah, why? For example, there are some things I can never watch again. Is there anything wrong with it? No. But I know in my consecration to God is no go area. Now I can't tell you not to watch it. I can advise that oh, this is my own personal, you know, this thing based on my relationship with God. But we must respect that mutually. You must respect my own consecration. I must respect yours. Okay. Can I teach you? Absolutely, I can teach you. But then it's still your decision to make. He says, you have your own master. To his own master, he stands or falls. And he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Then he says, one man considers a day. I was talking about this, right? One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. There's some people that are like, ah, if I don't go to church on the Sabbath day, I'm not worshiping God. Well, I don't think there's any special Sabbath day. You go to Dubai, Friday is their day of worship. You go to some places, even in this U.S. here, there are some Saturday church services in some big churches, right? Because Sunday is, people work on Sundays. So in that situation now, I'm supposed to accept it and not start everybody. You must worship on the Sabbath. Paul is saying there's nothing about a day. Nothing makes one day special than the other. But if you are convinced in your own mind, he says, be convinced in your own mind. So he says, one man considers one day more sacred than the other. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. What does that word convinced? We're talking about the conscience. Build your conscience to believe something and hold fast to that thing you say you believe. 
Don't vacillate. Don't change. He says, um, he who regards one day as special does it to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains from meat does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. He's just saying we're the same. At the end of the day, it's thanksgiving to God that matters. Look at what he says at the end. I want you to see from verse 9 to 14. And you see a real a new definition of sin, because I think you need to see this. For this re very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before what? God's judgment seat. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. That's what many people tend to do. You see someone doing something, you judge them. It says, instead, make up your mind to not put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced, he's telling you his own theology. I'm convinced that there's nothing wrong with foods which are unclean. Um, you know, there's no food unclean on, in itself. God has made everything clean. But if someone regards it as unclean, then for him it is unclean. And he says, well, if somebody is now distressed because of what you eat, then you're not acting in love. Do not destroy your brother for whom Christ died. He's heavy. He's very heavy. He's very heavy. Something in the chat. Most of them do it for a good motive. So if the motive isn't troubling, then I don't mind. If they now challenge me with their thoughts as being double-minded, then I'll tell them what I think according to the Bible. Absolutely. And this is a good scripture. You show them, please. Let everyone be convinced in their mind. You cannot, you cannot bring your own consecration on me. You can't force it on me. There is freedom in Christ. But I won't use my freedom to cause you to stumble. That's what I won't do. But we'll have that conversation, right? So that's the balance here. Now, look at what he says. Don't allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. That's what you want to avoid. But the kingdom of God is not food. It's not about eating and drinking. It is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God. Now, I want to show you this text. Now, look at this. Look at this. This is verse 21 to verse 23. Now, round off here. <sighs> so, he adds another layer. Not just eating meat. This one may be more relatable to us. Some people don't drink wine at all as their own consecration because they maybe they know they'll get drunk. Maybe they have a history of drunkenness. And it's like, I will not drink wine anymore because it will lead me down that path. Some people, just for the sake of, I don't want to touch it, don't. Right? Now, he says, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So, for example, if I know someone is struggling with drinking wine, I should not use my freedom to cause them to stumble and make it look like, yes, it's okay. If their consecration or their conviction is not to drink it, I must help them. If they are coming to my house, I remove all the wine bottles. I hide them somewhere. It seems like plain, you know, it's, it looks like um, pretense. It's not, I promise you. It is caring for their needs. I, I, I don't know times where you take some things away from children just so that they don't get, you know, they don't start to learn things that they're not supposed to know at their age. Or do you get what I mean? Like 
it is love that compels you to do certain things. You know, that's an act. I don't want to go there, but okay, let's leave that. Because I was going to talk about like, you know, gun laws and stuff like that. But I don't want to go into that. That's just another, I would probably talk for, for a long period of time on that. But you see, the point here is, whatever you believe about these things, it is between you and God. It says, blessed, look at this text. I like this verse. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Because you can, you can be so approved in something and it will not be wrong. But you can also condemn yourself if what you are doing there is causing someone to stumble. So, and, and you know, that's the thing. What is your motive, right? That's the real question. The underlying question here is, is your motive love? Or are you just hiding because pastor is coming? Like, this is different from, oh, I don't want pastor to know that I do this. <laughs> you know, people are like that. Oh, I don't want pastor to know that this is, no, I'm talking about brother to brother, sister to sister in Christ. You see someone is struggling in an area, and you should know this because you are church. You're the church family. We should know each other's lives to a degree. I know this is something they are struggling with. I'm not going to help. So, for example, if there's so many examples that you can think about, right? You can think, for example, one of the things I've done for myself and for everyone that knows me, if you want to watch a film with me, first thing is read the angel. What does read the angel say about this movie? I want to know all the scenes in the movie. Is there violence? Okay. Is there sex scene? Is this, they would have given me all of that. So I know beforehand what to expect. Do you understand? I know what to stay away from. And I know that there are some people that need that too. So I, I go the extra mile to make sure that I, you know, there's some people that before they watch a movie, they ask me, like, is this good to watch? And if I've not watched it, I say I've not watched it. If I've watched it, I most likely watched it because I've done that review already. But I show them how to get that review. You know, I'm talking about relatable matters because some of you here, you, you have sexual struggles and you have to be honest. Like this is some, this is an area I'm struggling in. You don't feed your flesh, you starve it and you feed your spirit. And so if there is something because you, let's say you, sexual temptation is not even a thing. So you can watch all the shows that come up on Netflix. If that's your case, which is very unlikely, but if that's your case, you should still be conscious enough to say, I'm not going to watch this one because it will cause somebody else to stumble. Do you understand? It's, it's just a mindset to have. I agree, Victoria. I agree. Like, there's nothing. Anyway, let me round this off. Or I'll just keep talking. Look at how it ends here. It says, blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats. So... Just having doubts about something can bring condemnation to you. It's very, very, this is a weird definition that you believe something is wrong, but you still go ahead against your conscience to do it. That's bad. He says, because his eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. That's a new definition of sin, my brothers and my sisters. It's not just missing the mark. It's not just... Um, going against God's clearly spelled out laws could also be your own act against your own conscience. If you're if you've not grown in knowledge enough to know that oh this is not an issue anymore, and it's still a big deal, hold that thing firmly and stay stay with your conscience. If you've lost sensitivity in your conscience, pray for it. Pray for it. 
pray for it. Don't be comfortable in sin. Don't, don't. See, when the Bible says the wages of sin is death, he means it. When the Bible says, if you feed um, the flesh, of the flesh you will reap, reap corruption. If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you will reap corruption. I know you are saved by grace through faith, but guess what? You can dem- so diminish your life by giving yourself into sexual fantasy, sexual sin, you know, or 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 you are someone who is just a, you just you don't care, you steal, and you don't stop, you don't feel wrong about it. It's a problem, or you get angry, and you say, "Ah, I don't care. I'll you cannot treat me like that." And you just show your true color. I'll show you my true colors. That's a problem. You can't be like that. You can't allow the works of the flesh to dominate. I'm, I'm saying all this because in this conversation of church hurt, if everyone does what is right, this would be a conversation of the past. Do you realize that? If we all walk in the spirit, we would prioritize others and they will have a better experience. They don't have to run from church. Praise the name of Jesus. All right. Any questions, comments, or a round off here? Yeah. If I said refusing to allow even a little compromise is so hard, but necessary. Like, see, yeah, create boundaries outside of boundaries. So you know how you can have a fence. In this Christian world, create a fence for that fence. And <laughs> so things you cannot do. Like, I have tried to make my life more transparent these days because it's necessary. Everyone who has fallen did not suddenly get there. It was a process. They allowed something that they escaped. Nobody found out about it. Okay, I can do that. And slowly but surely, they just got good at doing evil. To a point that when they have prepared themselves so much for that fall. But if you see long ahead, this is something that could happen to me. I'm going to avoid it. I will block it from the beginning. You just have to see it's following Jesus is a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, Simi's asking, so we start, start at 2 30 on Sundays now. Yeah, so I know we did uh, daylight savings affected things. I'm so sorry, Simi. So it's still the same time in Nigeria, but we have to adjust because BMG started in Nigeria. So that's the time that stays the same. So it's 2 30 now till the next daylight savings, then we go back to 3 30. All right. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Any questions? Was this clear? You will lead with love. Yes, you will. All right. So lead with love and hold your knowledge, but lead with love. Okay, Joshua, I see your hand up. Just your question and we'll round up. Yeah, so <clears throat> I wanted to ask. Um, I mean, um, I've I've listened to a couple of sermons that um or a couple of say a couple of sermons that have said that oh like drinking is not necessarily a sin but it's not like necessary you know um what is permissible is not I've forgotten the I've forgotten the term yeah um so let's say you're trying to like preach to a you're trying to like maybe your friends drink you know and you're trying to make them know that oh like you can relate to them you know what I'm trying to say and you can so you 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 basically you don't want to hide your alcohol so they they feel welcomed you understand or you don't not okay that sounds wrong you don't want to hide like you don't want to live you don't want to live a life that you don't want to you don't want to make it look like oh 
um, they are not welcome. They are not welcomed in your space because you don't drink. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So like you want to be approachable, you want to be able to evangelize, but and one way you can make that possible is to you know drink with them. Right? No, so not necessarily drink with them, but like maybe be around them when they are doing this stuff, you know? Okay. Or like, yeah. So, so he had a few questions I'll ask. First of all, let me just make it clear. Drinking is not a sin. The Bible never teaches that drinking is a sin. Being given to wine is a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. Okay. Now, there are people who have very strong control. Wine doesn't, in fact, Paul told Timothy, drink a little wine. It's not a fruit juice, wine, actual wine. Jesus turned water to wine at the wedding. All the examples of wine in the Old Testament, I did a deep study on it. Everything was, was had alcohol content. It was fermented wine. So people that are telling you drinking is a sin, I've not really studied the Bible. However, being careful with not, you can drink wine, but don't be given to wine. That's the instruction. So being careful with anything, you know, taken out of its place is what you must be you must do carefully or you must do right. So for example, the Bible talks about how wine fills the heart with gladness. So wine is a gift from God. But guess what it is also? A dangerous thing is a terror. The Bible talks about that as well. Right? Wine is a terror when it makes you drunk. You don't you lose your senses, you lose your, you know, your not your senses, but your your awareness of, of what's happening. And you never want to be in that situation. That being said, if you struggle with drinking too much or having a dependency on wine when things are not going your way or stuff like that, you notice that tendency. Wisdom is to stay away from it. The Bible says, flee all appearances of evil. So there are people who will create boundaries, be it with money, women, wine, which in themselves are good things. Like, I mean, I sorry to put women in that category, but you get what I mean. Like, these are good gifts from God. Money, um, is a good gift from God. Can it be a dangerous thing? Absolutely. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So if you are not struggling at all and you drink and you have friends that drink, it's not a problem. The issue is if you are with people who think or believe or hold to the fact that drinking is a sin, that's where the caution comes. You, you understand? But it doesn't mean that every time you have to be asking questions, like, oh, do you believe before you do that? Just make sure you're aware yeah. of your brother and your sister. But in that scenario where, oh, you know, they're drinking and you don't have any problem with it, please stay there by all means. Jesus was with people that to a point where they called him a wine babbler. How do you call Jesus a wine babbler if you don't see him with people drinking? Do you understand? Did Jesus drink himself? No. Like, he didn't get drunk is what I mean. I don't even, I think he might have drunk wine. Um, there are some instances where it seems like he did, but he was yeah. called a wine babbler, meaning he was a party person. He was always with other people. Yeah. So, yeah, do with that. Do with what I've said. What you like, you know. Thank you. I hope that helps, though. He did actually. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Remember the the real point is love, from a pure heart, from a sincere heart. If you know who Jesus was, you know he was. It was fun to be around. So they could even say things like he was a friend of sinners. If I want to add something. Yeah, P. Um, 
I, I like the fact that Joshua brought up this question because I remembered watching a YouTube video by um, this famous Christian YouTuber, and obviously you know Ruslan, but both fans of his channel. So Ruslan was recounting when he visited Israel last year, I think, mm -hmm. and he was there during one of like the feasts. Like you know, I don't know whether it was part of. I know the um, yeah. the, the the feast that they have. Tabernacles or something. Oh, Tabernacle yeah, was one of them. I don't know which one specifically, but. He said one thing he noticed was how, you know, in that part of the world, they have this very good sense of, um, they have a very good handling of the idea of moderation because he was actually surprised at how much they drink over there, like how much they celebrate, like, you know, uh, with wine and food. And, and I mean, like you said, if you read the scriptures, the Jews knew how to celebrate their festivals of Passover. But he said that he was surprised because... You know, here in the in the West, and not just in the West, but those of us that have grown up in this time, we're always taught to avoid completely certain things, even though, like you said, they're not bad. God created everything. All creation is meant to glorify God. All creation is good, you know. Um, so, and, and I think I kind of agree because I feel like the way we've been taught to, like, handle certain vices and things like wine, um, what else? Just, you know, just certain things. Um, we're always at one extreme or the other. And I think that's why a lot of abuse of these things is always so common. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the Bible says all things are um, expedient. No, how does he say it? I don't know why I'm forgetting it. This all can help me. Um, all things are lawful. All, all things are beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, not all things are edifying, you know. So here's the point. Edification should be the end point. Um, making someone more comfortable should be the end point of all of this. You know, for example, someone asked a question in private, like some people say kissing is a sin. Some say it's not. Is this a doubtful thing? And I say, I feel it is. And this is one of those cases where I am very pro, don't get engaged in that and delay it as long as you can, because I've seen what can happen. Now, is it a sin? Goes back to the motive. Why are you doing this? Are you saying that you cannot have a good relationship without that? When I say kissing, I'm talking that intimate kind of kissing, because in some parts of the world, it's, it's like a handshake. So you see how every single question that you might have requires you to make certain convictions hold on to certain convictions and certain um, consecrations, you know. For example, that was something for me, like during the dating, nope, we're not doing that. And so that was that's my own way of preventing um, problems. And that's, that's helped 100%. And so that's my general recommendation. Now, if you are someone that you like to kiss, you kiss, kiss your life just to kiss, it's okay. I'm not going to trouble you. but be very, very careful. That's 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 where I'm at. Be very like you are very likely to stumble. So I'll tell you that you're going to stumble if you do that. Um, if you really want to kiss, and sorry, this is just me being honest with you. Do it in the public. Make sure every time it happens, you are in public with everybody looking at you. Because what you cannot do in private should not be done. So that's that's my metric for that. Like if you can stand in the front, in the middle of everybody, and do it, then it's good. You go ahead. If you don't feel wrong for doing it, 
which is a way of your hand be. <laughs> All right, Jessica, please, you're the last person I'll speak. I have a headache. Sorry, PE. So I just wanted to say that um, concerning Joshua's question, um, I think it's also important for us to look at it from the angle where you have to be the one to examine your own self. So for, if I understood what he, he was asking or what he was um, bringing up clearly, it's like, for example, if you're in a company of people that drink and you're not necessarily given to drinking or wine and now you come off as the one whom everyone is, please, I'm not going to that guy's house. Why? Because it makes me feel weird because I drink and he doesn't. Mm. Um Yes, you may feel like, am I chasing everybody away because of my decision to do this, even though maybe now I've come to this point of understanding that maybe this is not necessarily bad. You may be the one with the weak faith. And so you need to understand or you need to check your own self in the sense that you're not trying to, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is that it's not a people-pleasing situation. Do you understand? Right. Your consecration to God is also important. Yes, it may not necessarily be that it is a bad thing, but if you've decided in your heart that for the purpose of just being a, a, a you know, for the purpose of just cutting off things and embracing my work with God more strongly, I don't want to engage in this. And you have to come to a point where people need to start respecting your decisions. Like that's what I'm, I guess that's where I'm getting at. So you don't want a situation where it's like, I don't really want to do this, but because I don't want to lose this group of people or whatever is that. And I mean, if you have friends that are judging your friendship based on whether you're drinking with them or not, that's already questionable in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But if people are like, oh, yeah, I respect your decision completely. And that's not going to stop me like coming around you. Right. Those are the kind of friends that you want to. I'm just I don't know. Sorry if I'm if I'm contextualizing too much, but it's just my understanding of what you proposed. So I just wanted to put it out there. Um, right. So you may be the one who necessarily has to just check and say, okay, um, everybody, this is what this is my stance on this, and I'll appreciate if you respect it. I'm not saying don't come around, I'm just saying this is my my stance on it. Thank you. And that's where it ends. Amen. And it's respectable, even if it's not a simple thing. Anything that you say, hey, this is my policy, you know, and I stick to it, or this is where I put my pen. Please don't move it. Like it's okay to have those, right? Why? Why is it the problem if I have specific requirements for consecration in my own faith, right? So, very, very well said. Thank you so much. Um, there's a scripture that says, in, in your attempt to help people who are falling, you should watch out for yourself too. Exactly. That's um Galatians six, one says, if brethren, if anyone is caught in a fault, says let you who are spiritual restore such one in the spirit of meekness. In us is lest you also be tempted. So be be careful. Um, I've seen. <laughs> I'm way, let me then we'll start going there. I've seen these are very 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 like not, not recent recent, but someone who himself was struggling with a particular situation, trying to help. This is a simple situation. Someone struggling with lust was a guy was helping a lady to overcome lust. Can you see how ridiculous that is? Yeah, I'll stop there. Like, just be real. Be honest with yourself. Do you get, like, be honest with yourself. Because you, if you're not careful, you fall into the same temptation you're trying to take someone out of. 
let's be honest. Like the Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Know your weaknesses and own it and just allow God to help you there. All right. And there's never a I, I look at our leaders, people we respect today in the body of Christ, and they've never had one scandal. Every single one of them has a stringent policy. I hope you know that. Like is is almost ridiculous that if you put it on 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 IG or Twitter, all those people will be making noise. Say, you see, all these church people, they are so they are so uh, because blah blah blah. They'll say all the kind of things they want to say about them. But guess what? Their testimony has been preserved. Not one instance of of um, sexual assault or anything. Like they've kept. And it's be, if you look at their lives, there's a lot to learn from them. A lot to learn from them. So start. You are young now. You have the privilege of examples ahead of you. Start creating those boundaries. If there are things that you are still very, very, you're still struggling with now, here's the time. This is when you want to fight. Deal with it now so you don't end up in the future like, you know, don't mention any names, but there are people who have been in the body of Christ for so long, you feel like, yes, you've trusted them with everything and then they didn't deal with something in their lives when they were young and it just comes out and you think, oh, wow, they fell. No, they were, they were, they were going like this. And then you finally got the opportunity, uh, you know, when, when power meets opportunity, ah, hmm, whatever you've prepared in your life before that time will show up. You're just waiting for the right time to manifest. And I don't want you to ever get to that point where, because you haven't dealt with certain things in your life now, now you have the platform, now you have the power, you have the money, the wealth to get those things. And you now do that. You know, let, let, let God um, not, let, let his name not be blasphemed amongst, amongst you. All right. <sighs> it was a great session. Thank you, everyone, for showing up. Um, the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit will remain with you now and forever. Hey there, so we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmg live 4 that's the number 4 or you can look in the description and you will find the link to the website there we hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith